Our sermon this reading is based on the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 5 through 26. Please stand in honor and respect for the words and works of Christ while he was here on earth. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with, associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband, And come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. So what did the woman need? This Samaritan woman who doesn't really even get a name in this account comes up to the well and she seems to be nameless and faceless but she's got an interesting backstory. She's got a unique take on the world and she carries all of this baggage along with her and she comes to Jesus and I'm sure Jesus could have looked at her and saw need after need after need So what did she actually need? This morning, as we look at this account, I sort of want us to see it in two ways. One, we find every single similarity with the Samaritan woman that speaks to Jesus at the well. 
And yet, in so many ways, maybe your story is not hers. Maybe you see the issues that she's facing in her life and you go, yeah, I've got my own problems, but it's not that. The similarities and the differences are all resolved by one fact. It is Christ and Christ himself, the words that proceed from his mouth, that give water to the thirsty soul. No matter what your, your background is, no matter what your baggage is, no matter what your unique worldview is, it is Christ and him alone that quenches the thirst of sinful people like that Samaritan woman and like you and I today. This is sort of an interesting narrative because there's so much going on here as far as social context. This woman and, and Jesus have this interaction that really seems pretty, pretty ridiculous to anybody maybe reading this in that time frame. A woman is, is talking to a man that's not her husband. That, that didn't really quite sit right. A Samaritan and a Jew are talking. That, that doesn't sit quite right. This person that has this, this spotty, probably somewhat public checkered past is talking to this great prophet and this great teacher as everybody perceives him to be. That doesn't quite seem right. And then there's one more thing that's going on here that maybe not everybody sees, but, but we can certainly see. The Savior of the nations, the Lord of the world, the great I am, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, is speaking to a sinner. Face to face. Dealing not with these big cosmic problems, but dealing with the problems that are existing in her life that day. Yes, this, this interaction that we see between Jesus and this woman is, is nothing short of remarkable. He asks, will you give me a drink? And she sort of just points out the elephant in the room. You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. No, we're not talking about a Republican sitting down next to a Democrat. We're not talking about a Clemson fan sitting down next to a South Carolina grad. No, we're, we're talking about something that runs much, much deeper than anything maybe that we can imagine in our context for today. The, the distaste, the social friction, the tension that we see being spoken of in our reading for today dates back not just decades, but hundreds and hundreds of years that go all the way back to their ancestors being exiled. Yeah, the, the differences between Jesus and this woman are remarkable. And yet, here Jesus says, talking to this woman that has nothing to offer him besides maybe, maybe a glass of water. And he is in the position to give her everything. I want you to consider what the life of this, of this lady probably looked like. She is out at the well around noon, which seems like kind of a weird time to go because there's nobody else around. That's not when you would normally get water from the well. And so maybe that speaks to the way that her life is going. She feels a little bit alone. This woman shows up and 
and she's got this thing on her heart, her past, that, that you, you can tell she clearly tries to hide from Jesus. The, the five husbands and, and the guy she's living with at the time isn't even her husband. You could imagine back in that day that, that, public, that public issue that was going on in her life wasn't something that was just between her and her Savior. Everybody in the community was probably aware of this woman's checkered past. This woman comes to Jesus with some emptiness. Maybe feeling a little oppressed or depressed or beaten down or shunned. Picked up and and placed outside of the community that she would like to be a part of. No matter what we see here in this woman no matter what winds up being her chief personal need that is going on in her life at that time, whether it's a sense of belonging or it is a sense of purpose or it is just hope for a future, we see that this woman comes to her Savior that day in desperate need of spiritual help and of physical help. There might be some that that would think, and, and I, now I know where this sermon is going. We need to be more like Jesus. We need to look like Jesus and extend ourselves to the, good, the, the, the Samaritan women of this world. It's a nice thought. But no, not, not even that is really the point that Jesus is making here today. I'm the Samaritan woman. You're the Samaritan woman that comes to Jesus thinking that, that we have all of our, our needs properly prioritized in life and having no idea what we're talking about. Look at the way that, that Jesus speaks to her. So kindly and so patiently. As he guides her through the word of God, as he guides her through the truths that he is presenting to her, culminating in verse 26, where he finally reveals this beautiful message. Do you feel it today? What's your greatest need? I'm sure you've got something in your brain that that if this would just go right in my life, then everything would be okay. People across this country, across this world, have deep abiding needs and, and so often they're not even willing or ready to talk to people about them. We have people in this world, we have people in this world that are struggling. That, that maybe are, are, are talking to their parents or maybe they're talking to their friends and, and they don't know a whole lot about themselves. They might not even know what, what gender they are. And they're full of hurts and they're full of pain and they're just looking for solutions. A solution Mental health help, affirmation, legislation. What, what solution could you have for brokenness like that? Or maybe it brings it home a little closer for a lot of us as we look at our, our marriage life, kind of like the woman here today, and, and we see lack or wanting. Even if the relationship is still together, we say, I need so much more out of this than what I'm getting. 
Or maybe you see a, a laundry list of filled relationships in your past and, and maybe sort of like that, that woman you think, if I, could just, if I could just find the next person, the next person is going to be the one that finally fulfills all my needs and makes me feel better. A solution, one after another after another. And they don't work. I don't know what, what your greatest need is right now that's going on in your life. Perhaps it's, it's that you think that if you just had a little bit more money, if you just had a little bit more satisfaction at work, then everything would be okay. If I could just drown out all of those awful things that happened to me when I was a child, then I will just be okay. There are so many things in our lives that we tell ourselves, if we can just get past this hurdle, if we can just get past this problem, this earthly issue going on in my life, then I will finally be okay. But notice how Jesus speaks to her. She's going through all of these troubles. And what does he say? Go call your husband and come back. What is he doing here? This woman that might already be beaten down to the turf, Jesus, what are you doing? Are you just taking a, a knife and, and, and plunging it deeper and twisting it? You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Is Jesus stacking hurts upon hurts upon hurts? only to beat this woman into the ground. No, he's being honest. He's saying, you're right. You have needs. You have needs that, that you're looking around and you're, you're not finding a solution to. You're not, you're not filling up with the things that you think are going to fill them. So, so now what do you do? If you and I were sitting by that well that day, what would Jesus bring up in your life? You're sitting on the side of the well and he starts talking to you. What is the issue that you go, please, Jesus, don't bring that up. Please, Jesus, don't bring that up. And what is that issue that he, he actually does wind up putting right in front of you? Probably different for everybody in this room. But we've all got that one. That one that, that when we look at that aspect of our life, we see need and we see hurt and we see emptiness and we see shallowness. But what does Jesus do? Does he leave her in the dust? Absolutely not. I, the one speaking to you, am he. There's so much packed just in that short little phrase. I am the alpha <laughs> and the omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the Lord of hosts. I am the Lord of love. By her calling for a Messiah called Christ and Jesus saying, guess what? You're looking at him. He takes care of that big need. The one that overshadows every single one of them. In this way, is Jesus saying, you know what, any of the other things that are going on in your life, that's small potatoes, those things don't matter. Of course he's not saying that. 
He cares about every single need that is going on in that woman's life. But he says, first, I have to take care of the one thing that you need more than anything else in this world. You need to know my love. You need to know my mercy. In those moments in which you are questioning everything about your life, you need the answer. The answer that is found in Christ, the purpose, the identity, everything that he says about you is true. I've saved you. I've forgiven you. I've rescued you. You're mine. Your sins, they are many. But his mercy is more. That's what she was missing. That is that ice-cold glass of water that Jesus is giving to this utterly dehydrated woman. He is saying, here, this is exactly what you need to know. You need to know that you are saved. Because that knowledge, that knowledge flows into every single other element, every single other aspect of your life. A person who knows that their identity is tied up in Christ is much more equipped to take on who they are in this world. A person whose purpose is tied up in who Christ created them to be allows them to take on their relationships in an entirely different way than the rest of the world. Brothers and sisters, this cold water, this drink that Jesus is giving to her is not just eternal. It's not just for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years from now when she goes to be with her Savior. It had implications for her right there in that very moment at that time. Christ says, this is how I see you. And so you need to start seeing yourself differently. Where is your well? Jesus talks about a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Where's your well? Where is the the place that you can turn to and, and be refreshed time after time, day after day, year after year, in the good times and the bad times? Where is the place that you can go to finally feel quenched? to the truth. Listen to what Jesus says about worship. He says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. This place was created to be your hydration station. This entire church, the entire service, everything that we do here in this church is modeled around filling you up. Taking all of the thirsts that you feel throughout your week and saying, guess what? Jesus has an answer for that. When we bring our sins before him with the words of sin and grace and and Jesus, by, by his grace, gives me the humble privilege of saying, all of your sins are forgiven. There's that glass of water. When we go before God and are able to boldly say, Our Father who art in heaven, it's another opportunity for him to to fill us up. 
And before we ever leave, before we step one more foot out into that world, that, that difficult, corrupt world, God says, go, my children, with my blessing. Let this be your well. The font of life-giving waters where you can return week after week, season of life after season of life. So often, sermons end with a, a call to action. It says, okay, you've heard all of this stuff, now go do blank. Not today. Let's leave with this. Your Lord is there to quench your thirst. His word is there to make you whole. And he promises, promises to each and every one of you that because he lives, you also will live. Problem number one in life, solved. Go forward with confidence. Amen.